Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello, and welcome to the Animal Files podcast. Last week, we had a fun conversation about feline terms and phrases that we have been using throughout the years. And this week, we're going to the dogs. So we are going to have a fun show talking about all of the terms and all of the funky phrases that we have gotten from our canine friends. (laughs) So I'm going to turn it over to you, Miranda. (laughs) get us going yeah well if you guys are a dog lover you've probably heard many of the slang terms used to describe dogs and their behaviors we're going to start off with a variety of idioms and slang phrases which are often developed based on beliefs and behaviors of our beloved canines i wonder if they're going to be a true representation of our canine friends (laughs) (laughs) we'll find out (laughs) Yo, we already said we are going to the dogs, so let's start with that one. Okay. (laughs) But we'll go to the true meaning of that. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) So unlike how we represented it in the beginning here, going to the dogs actually means to become ruined, to change to a much worse condition, a deterioration, becoming of lower quality or standard. We're not intending to do any of that. (laughs) Nope, nope, nope. We're always here bringing the good goods. It can also refer to the risks associated with gambling, such as gambling away in an entire paycheck on dog races. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, I get it. (laughs) So an example of using this phrase is our favorite restaurant has gone to the dogs lately. The economy is going to the dogs. Some people might believe that currently. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but what type of a short straw are we giving our dogs? I don't know. (laughs) They deserve better than that. (laughs) You know, again, like with the cat phrases, a lot of these phrases and slang words and that that we're talking about are not going to have a 100% authentic origin. There's just a lot of assumptions of where these phrases may have developed from. So one of the origins, as we've already alluded to, is that it may be connected with the greyhound races. Which, again, makes sense. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of people, they lose their shirt. There's another idiom. On racing and gambling. (laughs) Right. And yes. <laughs> greyhound races were very, very, very popular. Mm-hmm. I think it still is too in some places. In some places, I think, yeah. I know I've heard of rescue greyhounds that have come from the races. It also may have come from the idea that a pack of hounds would follow a scent trail to hunt down prey. Then if the prey managed to elude the dogs, it was said to have gone to the dogs. That doesn't make any sense, but I can see where people would get to that idea. (laughs) Because if it went to the dogs, the dogs would have gotten their prey, right? (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Right. 
And this last one, I think, makes sense, too. It's more focused on a belief, which may not be so prominent now, but it was definitely a belief more so in the past, for sure. And that was that it may have come from the practice of throwing unwanted or leftover food to dogs, which was considered a sign of low social status or poverty. Okay. Well, yeah, because probably when that was going on, dogs were not members of the family. Mm -hmm. They were just animals that lived near human civilizations. Right. Okay. They may have lived with the family, but maybe they lived outside. So yeah. You know, they were there more to do a job than to actually be a companion, probably. Probably. Interesting, nonetheless. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, that all makes sense. Well, how about this one? You are like a dog with a bone. This one makes a lot of sense to me because I say this all the time. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm always fixated on stuff and I refuse to give up. So I am always one of those people <laughs> that is like a dog with a bone. Hence the meaning of the term. But the origin mm. of that is dogs can be very possessive, which obviously they are. They're very territorial and they're attracted to their bones or toys and the food, and they're not going to give it up to anyone. So that one makes a whole crap ton of sense to me <laughs> because <laughs> I am always like a dog with a bone. <laughs> <laughs> to a fault sometimes <laughs> and I think that usually when that phrase is used I think it's usually referring to somebody who's doing it to a fault where it's like okay give it a rest already you know kind of thing <laughs> hey, those words ring true in my head yeah that's what <laughs> I would like to reserve the right to change it to a positive <laughs> and make it more about tenacity and perseverance as opposed to something <laughs> you're doing to a fault. Right. <laughs> but that's my opinion on this because I am stuck in the middle of it. So <laughs> Silver lining. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just like most things, it's usually up to perception. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> So how many of you have said this phrase? Oh, I feel as sick as a dog today. I think there's other idioms that are similar to that, that mm -hmm. mean the same thing. But, but yeah, it usually refers to someone who is feeling extremely sick. Not just kind of like blah, or oh, I just don't feel very good. It's to the point where it's like, you don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to do anything. I guess some people view men as being more like this than women. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> that even if they're not really extremely sick, they'll act like it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, here's another one of those terms that I'm like, really? If you know dogs, if you live with dogs, dogs don't tell you when they're sick. They keep going. That's very true. <laughs> you know, you never know. So... <laughs> If you're sick like a dog, that means you're going to continue to get up and keep moving, right? <laughs> Perception. <laughs> yep. <laughs> However, I, I don't think I've ever heard it used in this way, but apparently it can also sometimes mean to feel fed up with a situation. So I'm as sick as a dog about the situation, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've heard it that way. Have you? Still doesn't make any sense. <laughs> 
sick as a dog. <laughs> dog doesn't tell you when they're sick. They just keep <laughs> I'm just gonna keep repeating that because all animals are like that. They don't you don't know when they're sick. <laughs> well, when you hear the origin, it might make a little more sense to you. All right, all right, hit me. Tell me what the origin is. <laughs> so it may have originated from the idea that dogs tend to eat things that are not good for them, such as garbage or spoiled food. Or being given human foods that are unsafe. Okay. Causing them to become sick. Uh, Okay. I can see that. It's also possible that it could have originated from the ancient Greek expression, sick as a dog's life, which referred to the difficult and unpleasant life of stray dogs. That actually makes some sense. Because again, back in those days, dogs, they did not have the lifestyle they have now. Mm -hmm. And there are many, many, many strays out there. You know, now we spay and neuter animals across the world. So, you know, there are areas that have a stray dog problems, but mm-hmm. it's not as prolific as it used to be. Mm-hmm. So if you are a stray dog and you're fighting for survival, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the cushy lives they have now. Right. So maybe that connects more with the second part of feeling fed up with the situation. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll accept it. <laughs> all right this, this next one is another one i don't know i keep getting these ones that are like very me love me love my dog <laughs> to me that means suck it up i am who i am but anyway <laughs> but the meaning of this love me love my dog phrase is to love everything and accept everything about the people you love including their faults and weaknesses quirks and interests See, I told yeah. you, love me, love my dog. <laughs> but unconditional love is really important. So it doesn't matter what you have. You choose to love a person for the true essence of who they are, not because of what we can do for you. We can dislike certain things, certain behaviors. You don't have to be happy with everything, but you still need to love the person unless it's toxic obviously (laughs) Mm -hmm. everybody's got quirks everybody's got faults love me love my dog I think there needs to be a development of awareness in that regard to be able to notice it's like okay I don't care for these certain behaviors or things that they say and being able to recognize when it gets to the point of is this toxic for me yeah exactly the origin of this comes from the 16th century English martyr St. John Fisher, who is believed to have said, he that loves me loves my dog, which makes sense. The idea behind the phrase is that if someone truly loves another person, they will also love the things that are important to them, such as their pets. Mm -hmm. So love me, love my dog. Yeah. And I've heard stories too about people in relationships that where the person who doesn't have the pet will kind of create what's the word I'm thinking of an ultimatum yeah. with a person. It's like, it's either me or the cat or it's me or the dog or it's me or the whatever. And it's like, well, Bye-bye. anybody who's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anybody who says that and says that you have to choose them over your pet. If your pet was there first, then you don't want that kind of person in your life. You shouldn't have to get rid of anything that you've had in your life beforehand in order to please somebody who has just come into your life. Yeah, I would also argue that if you are 
in a relationship, whether it's a marriage or whether you're living with somebody and that person, while you're in that relationship, gets an animal because that's what you agreed on. And then after a bit, you give them the ultimatum. Guess what? Bye bye. Because you don't you don't pull the rug out from people's feet like that, especially when it comes to animals, because we get attached to our animals. And if you say it's okay one month and then the next month you say, sorry, it's either me or the dog. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, what kind of relationship is that? That's like a flip-flopping. Yeah, that's not a good relationship. That's What else are they going to flip-flop on? <laughs> that's the toxic part that we're talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like this next one. I've heard it before, but I never really understood what it meant. Once I found out, I was like, oh, I like this. <laughs> so when you use the phrase, the tail is wagging the dog, it means that there's a small part that controls the entire whole of something. Happy people. Yeah. <laughs> so an example of using this phrase would be to say, allowing Paul to dictate the terms of the contract is like letting the tail wag the dog. He's only been here for three months and it's like he's running the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the happy people. <laughs> yeah. And that seems to be where it originates from is that, you know, you'll see some dogs that get just so excited that their back end just seems to take on a life of its own. It's just, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's just so vigorous that it just ends up getting a whole body involved. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's great i love going on to um instagram or whatever and you're just flipping through the the animal videos and all of a sudden you see these videos of these dogs that are like so happy that they can't <laughs> even contain themselves i love it i love because you can just see you can just feel the happiness and joy that's just coming off of them it's just incredible yeah. i love it <laughs> i love it <laughs> Yeah, that term tail wagging the dog will always be a picture of a really super happy dog. Always. Yeah. I know it's got some other connotations to it, but no, I just, <laughs> I, I maybe it's my view on life or like I think everything should be about joy. So <laughs> I don't know. Well, this next one, I haven't used that much, but I have used it in the past. And that is in the doghouse. We all know what that means. <laughs> And typically <laughs> this tends to go for wives according to their husbands. <laughs> My wife's going to throw me in the doghouse already. You know, that type yeah. of thing. <laughs> because it means being in trouble or not in favor with someone else. And it always seems to go with relationships. Always. It always <laughs> does. Because you believe you did something wrong or you've shown some disgraceful conduct or behavior or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. But here's my opinion. I would think that is men that use that term more than women. Like use it in relation to themselves? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I really have never heard too many women say you better watch it over the doghouse or say to their girlfriends, uh-oh, the husband's going to be in the doghouse now. Mm. I always hear it coming out of the mouths of the men. Yeah. Uh-oh, I'm going to be in the doghouse now. Yeah, I think I've heard it more like in the movies and TV shows rather than in actual life in my experience. Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's all over TV, but I, yeah. I've actually heard people say it in real life. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
The origin is based on the idea of putting a dog that is viewed as being bad in their kennel or their doghouse, which hopefully we're not using doghouses and kennels as punishment anymore. But mm-hmm. I would think that that would be a reason for this phrase to come about. Mm-hmm. Now we're starting to understand dogs and dog behavior. So I don't think we're using punishment. Well, some people may. But not our listeners, because our listeners know better. (laughs) (laughs) But it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Now, this next one, the origin, I think, is, again, it's a misconception, misperception that developed this phrase. As mean as a junkyard dog. What it means is that it's equating a person with a junkyard dog, viewing them as mean cruel, eager to fight. An example of this would be a pit bull Mm. because they've been targeted for quite a bit and are currently in the limelight. But Rottweilers, Doberman Pinchers, and Bull Mastiffs have also been targeted in the past. Another context is for a person to say, they say that he is meaner than a junkyard dog, but he's actually quite sweet when you get to know him. Yeah. I would also, because, you know, I'm into music over here. There is a song. Mm. I can't remember what it is off head because my head's not working very well today. But there is a song that has meaner than a junkyard dog in the lyrics. That sounds familiar, but I'm not sure which one that is either. Yeah. Apologies to all those music files out there. But my brain is not. I used to know it. (laughs) I'm singing it in my head, but I just can't place it. But I also know that there used to be quite a bit of crime that surrounded junkyards Mm. people Mm -hmm. would break into junkyards and steal scrap metals and try to make money or to get something free there's a lot of crime and there is always it used to be always they would have a dog as a guard dog as a patrol dog Mm -hmm. if a criminal is trying to break into a scrapyard and they get their butt bitten by a dog they're gonna say the dog's me but the dog's just doing his job. Right. So it's probably why Rottweilers, Pipples, Bull Mastiffs, and Doberman Pinchers get that view because mm-hmm. those are the dogs that people assume are scary looking, mm-hmm. especially Bull Mastiff. You go in to a junkyard or a scrapyard and try to steal something, and you have this big giant dog just looking at you and giving you the glare. Yeah, you're going to be scared out of your wits. <laughs> mm. So it kind of makes a lot of sense because yeah. of that. I don't know if that's the main origin, but when I hear that term, that's what I think of. I think about these old scrapyards and old junkyards that are guarded by dogs against criminals. But I think it's not just based on whether they've attacked or not. I think a lot of it is based solely on their appearance. They're viewed as vicious Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of how they look. And chances are they're going to probably bark and growl as a way to try to deter the person Mm -hmm. and try to get them to leave. Attacking is going to be the last resort. You know, it's not something that dogs want to do. They don't want to attack. No, they don't. not inbred in them. They do that when they discover that their growling, their barking, their stance is not having the appropriate effect. Yeah. However, I think in the past... When junkyard dogs were commonplace, I think there were a lot of them that were not treated well. I think there was probably a lot of abuse that went along with that as well. Probably. 
they were given a job. They were supposed to be mean. So you don't know how they got to be mean. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mean is junkyard dog. <laughs> now I got that song in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Meaner than a junkyard dog. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> one of these days, probably like halfway through this podcast, we'll be like, oh, that's who did it. <laughs> <laughs> this next phrase, I don't think I've ever heard this before. And that's a dog's breakfast. It was new to me too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a, I mean, maybe I've heard it once. Now that I said it, maybe there's a little bit of familiarity, but I have no idea. It's just not something I hear. Mm-hmm. But that is suggestive of a task that has been performed or perceived to have been performed to an appalling standard. Okay. A chaotic mm-hmm. situation, a person that is considered to be poorly dressed suggests that someone is messy or disorganized. I don't know. (laughs) It's not what I hear. Here's an example. I hope you aren't going out dressed like that. You look like a proper dog's breakfast. Now that phrase, I think that might be something that is not North American. It sounds like it could be possibly British or something. Yeah, it does sound very British to me. Mm -hmm. Using the word proper makes it very English. Right. So maybe in some places, this is what you hear a lot. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I'll have to talk to my British friends and say, have you ever heard this before? (laughs) (laughs) The origin of this may be in reference to a dog's meal being jumbled scraps or leftovers. Yeah. Because in the past, we just kind of tossed the food to the dogs. Right. I'm sure that's probably going to be a term coming up. It's going to go to the dogs. Anyway. (laughs) 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 If not, we'll add that to our next one. Here's a British connection for you. In the 20th century, the British army, a dog's breakfast referred to a dish of bread, porridge, and sausages that were served to soldiers for breakfast. The dish was often considered unappetizing and poorly prepared. So again, I think that goes back to the olden times when we used to toss all of our scraps out to the dogs on the street Mm -hmm. or to our dogs that we have hired to help the family. Mm -hmm. I'm using quotes. You can't see that, but I'm using quotes hired to help the family. (laughs) (laughs) So we just get scraps. I don't know. It's interesting. I'm going to reach out to my British friends. (laughs) Now, this is another one that I don't think I've heard before. A shaggy dog story. No, never heard of that myself. So this is apparently meaning that it's a story that somebody tells that could be funny, but usually ends up being ridiculously lengthy. (laughs) It can often be utilized in the context of someone telling a joke that has a meaningless or sudden ending. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I need some examples there. So an example is Danny is forever reciting his shaggy dog stories. They drone on for what seems like forever without hardly ever getting to the point. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I think men say this more than women. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, men. (laughs) We love you. Love me. Love my dog. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I've definitely had conversations with people who have just gone on and on about something. And it's kind of like, Okay, and where are you going with this? <laughs> I unfortunately am one of those people that may do that sometimes because I get distracted in the middle of a story. I get excited and then I forget the point. 
ADHD. <laughs> so apparently this phrase can be traced back to the 1930s. Okay. It may have originated from the practice of telling stories about shaggy dogs in the 19th century. These stories often featured long and meandering plot lines that ultimately led to a disappointing or nonsensical conclusion. For whatever reason, these shaggy dog stories were popular in the United States during the late 19th and early 20th centuries and were often used as a way to entertain audiences at social gatherings. I'm not quite sure how they would be entertaining if they're <laughs> with a disappointing and nonsensical conclusion, but... <laughs> True, yeah, that, that makes no sense. <laughs> okay, I don't know if shaggy dogs were actually really popular in the 30s, but maybe people were starting to love having dogs as part of the family, and I know I can go on and on and on about my cats with no point. <laughs> So I'm sure that people can go on and on and on about their dogs without a point. <laughs> oh, you should see what, what, what little Buster did yesterday. Oh, it was so funny. You know, I, <laughs> I guess it's true. And people are, can be like that with their children too. And it's like when you're so into children or into animals or something like that, it's like even hearing somebody else tell the story, you're just kind of like right into it, even though there's no point to it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, this is kind of connected to the first potential origin, but more specific is that it may have originated from a specific shaggy dog story that was popular in the early 20th century. This story, which was first published in the 1910s, featured a long and convoluted plot that ultimately led to a punchline that was completely unrelated to the rest of the story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> all right. This next one we've all heard. And I think women say this more than men. <laughs> right. <laughs> And that's, I think you're barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the meaning is if you're pursuing an incorrect course or person of action, <laughs> you're making the wrong choice. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it describes a situation where someone is wrong about the way of doing something. Now, I think we've morphed it over the years <laughs> because I think um, when it comes to relationships, when somebody's trying to hit on somebody else, ah, oh, you're barking up the wrong tree, dude. Right. You know, it's, like, it's kind <laughs> of morphed. But another example would be, I thought I had an easy solution, but it didn't work out that way. I guess I was barking up the wrong tree, which is probably the original way that this term was being used, but now it's, it's morphed into its own life. Right. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Barking the wrong tree. I just keep hearing that in my head. <laughs> but the origin of this refers to raccoon hunting and using a hunting dog where the dog is trained to wait at the base of a tree for its owner to return whenever a nocturnal animal climbs into a tree. In the darkness, however, if the hunter's dog misidentifies the tree as the one where the raccoon has taken refuge, the hunter risks losing the animal, therefore barking up the wrong tree. Mm. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Especially because, you know, raccoons are pretty clever. Mm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> or other animals that might go from tree to tree to tree and a dog 
because it thinks the way a dog thinks may not realize that the animal has moved on to a different tree. So mm-hmm. hence barking up the wrong tree. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. This next one I thought was kind of fun. <laughs> I've never heard it before and I really had to explore it quite a bit because I was like, I just don't get it. And that's my dogs are barking. It's supposed to mean it's a way to say that your feet hurt or are tired. Like I've been on my feet all day. I'm weary. And to make matters worse, my dogs are barking. It makes no sense, but I've heard it. (laughs) Yeah. Like why would you refer to your feet as dogs? And why would they be barking? (laughs) I don't know. After I had found the potential origin, I looked into it a little bit more and I found some interesting information. Okay. So it may have originated from the sound that shoes make when they squeak or creak, which some people might view as being similar to the sound that a dog makes when it barks. I don't think so, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's people's perception that dogs bark all the time. So if your shoes are creaking all the time. That could be too. So the phrase, my dogs are barking, may have evolved from this association with the sound of the shoes. I can see that. So then I found out that according to a website called waywardradio.org, as early as 1913, cartoonist Tad Dorgan was using the term dogs to mean feet. Mm -hmm. So if your dogs in this sense are barking, It's as if they are seeking your attention. Okay. I can see how that could make sense. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're a fan of that cartoonist. Right. (laughs) It's like, okay, that makes a little more sense to me than the other one. It's like, I can connect with that a little bit more. But then it came to me, hmm, are there any shoes that had a name that was related to dogs that this could potentially be associated with? I am thinking of a brand right now because I used to wear them. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You may have heard of Hush Puppies. Yep. I I couldn't think of it, but as soon as I saw that name, I'm like, oh yeah, I've heard that before, that brand before. Yeah. (laughs) So the Hush Puppies history began in 1958 when a Michigan sales manager set out to find an alternative to uncomfortable dress shoes, which were considered the source of sore feet or barking dogs, as they were known at the time. The shoe salesman discovered that possibly farmers and Confederate soldiers used deep fried corn fritters known as hush puppies to quiet barking dogs. Ah, okay. It's believed that when Confederate soldiers detected Yankee soldiers approaching, they would quiet their barking dogs by throwing them the fried cornmeal balls. Okay. So I thought that was really interesting to sort of get down into that. I'm kind of one of these people who can find it interesting to kind of dig down a little bit (laughs) deeper. However, there's another thing that in the Southern USA, salamanders were called water dogs or water puppies. And it's possible that people with low incomes at the time ate these as part of their diet, deep fried with cornmeal. They were given the name hush puppies as eating such humble food was not something people wanted to discuss. Well, that kind of took a turn. I never even (laughs) (laughs) 
learn something new, right? Right. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So I guess I can see it now. I'm a northerner, so I probably wouldn't recognize that. <laughs> I'm a Yankee. But anyway. <laughs> but if you're from the southern U.S., maybe this is something you're familiar with. <laughs> yeah. Well, now this next one. Oh, by the way, I remembered the song from Meaner Than Junkyard Dog. It's Bad, Bad Leroy Brown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I knew I would remember it. Yeah, bad, bad, leave my brand, me and then junk out. Okay, anyway, <laughs> that's actually the title. That's actually in the title. But anyway, back to these cool things. This next one, I think I've heard, but not in an idiom sense. <laughs> actually, I think I've heard, the, I've heard it in the literal sense. To see yeah. a man about a dog mm-hmm. or a horse or a duck or a cow or a pig or whatever <laughs> but I, I, think I've, I think I've heard it to see a man about a dog in the literal sense but I guess in Britain it's used as an idiom which means when you do not want to reveal to someone where you are going often used to excuse yourself to go to the bathroom mind your own business basically <laughs> which I can kind of see if you don't want people to know you're going to the bathroom go to see a man about a dog <laughs> But also during prohibition in the United States, the phrase was most commonly used in relation to the consumption or purchase of alcoholic beverages. Again, doing something you don't want people to know. Mm-hmm. And in the UK, the phrase is generally used as a polite way of saying, I'm going out where I have been out, but don't ask where. Often with the facetious implication that you are about to be or have been up to no good. I'm seeing a theme here. <laughs> the original non-facetious meaning was probably used when you place or settle a bet on a race, perhaps accompanied by a wink. Again, wink, wink. You don't need to know what I'm doing. Mm. Mind your own business. I'm going to see a man about a dog. <laughs> <laughs> the origin of this phrase was probably a phrase that was just created to conceal a person's true intentions to avoid embarrassment, discomfort, or certain consequences. Makes sense. There's another origin that the earliest confirmed publication is in the 1866 Dion, and I'm going to kill this last name, Boussicult? It's B-O-U-C-I-C-A-U-L-T. I don't know. I think it's French. But we'll just leave it there <laughs> in a play <laughs> called Flying Scud, in which a character knowingly breezes past a difficult situation saying, excuse me, Mr. Quail, I can't stop. I've got to see a man about a dog. So since a lot of our words come from literary pop culture reference, probably that could be where it got its start. Mm. So apologies to the ghost of that playwrights <laughs> for yeah. butchering the name. <laughs> I don't usually try to conceal things too much, but I might have to keep that in mind. Just when I simply just don't want to tell somebody about something. (laughs) I'm going to see a man about a dog. (laughs) But then people get nosy and it's like, oh, you're getting a dog? What kind of dog are you going to get? (laughs) Like I said, I've only heard the literal version of that. So (laughs) I guess we have to accompany it with a wink from now on right yes. go to see a man about a dog wink wink <laughs> <You know? Right. laughs> 
human language is funny. (laughs) I've heard this next one. Not too commonly, I don't think, but the phrase is a dog and pony show. Yep, I've heard it. I'm going to see if it's exactly what I think it means. (laughs) Because I know I've used the term, not often, but I have used it. I know I've used it not like speaking to somebody, but I've used it in my own reference, just thinking Mm -hmm. about something. But the meaning is supposed to be that a person or group that lays on an elaborate presentation with the hope of gaining approval for something such as a product. Or it could be an event that is designed to impress people in order to get them to buy something or invest money. Or it could just simply mean fancy or flashy. Mm -hmm. So the way that I have viewed it, and I'm thinking of meetings that I have been in with corporate businesses as an employee, my interpretation of this phrase is having to go watch something that I feel is a big waste of time. And I feel like most of these meetings that these corporations have are a big dog and pony show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like... (laughs) A little too much for what it's for. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So it's believed to have originated from the itinerant circuses that toured rural areas throughout the United States and featured performing dogs and horses. Well, that makes sense. But those circuses are probably fun. Most dog and pony shows now are not. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Let's continue with our own dog and pony show. Yes. (laughs) But we're going to make it fun. (laughs) This next phrase, I've heard this a lot. And that is, if you lie down with dogs, you will get up with fleas. Is to say that you will suffer the consequences if they do dangerous things or exhibit behaviors or choices that are not accepted by society. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody is doing something wrong. It's just that they could be doing something that is not generally accepted. Yeah. And it typically happens when you hang around with the wrong types of people. And so be careful of the company you keep. Avoid befriending any gunslinging bandits or crafty crooks. Obviously, that's where the <laughs> snake's origin comes from. <laughs> and the habits that those we surround ourselves with are likely to rub off. So if you hang around with criminals, you're going to probably crime. But, you know, it also can be in relation to not following the crowd and choosing to do something that's different. Yeah. There still could be consequences to that, but it doesn't mean that you're doing something that is bad. It just may be viewed that way. Yeah. But I think this particular term has to do with hanging with the wrong crowd. Be wary of what behavior you choose to engage in, you know, If you lie down with dogs, you will get up with fleas. But the origin of this may be based on past belief that most dogs were mangy and flea-ridden. And I think that goes back to the olden days when dogs weren't living in our house. They were outside all the time. They didn't have proper veterinary care. All wild animals deal with fleas and ticks and stuff like that. That's just what they have to deal with if they're living outside kind of an easy one, I think. Mm-hmm. This next phrase or phrases, because there's a couple of variations of it, is something that I have heard before. A barking dog seldom bites or his bark is worse than his bite. I've heard more of the second one than the first one. Yeah, me too. 
So this refers to a particular person who might like to yell and or threaten others, but rarely actually takes action on their threats. It could be an angry, hostile person that is also still not likely to be vengeful or violent. I'm not sure. I mean, somebody who is angry or hostile as an actual sort of persona, I think they would probably most likely at some point become vengeful or violent. But Mm -hmm. I think there are some people who sort of portray sort of an angry, hostile attitude without necessarily being that way. It's kind of more of like a protective behavior. Kind of like yippy dogs where they just yip, 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 yip as a means to keep things at bay. But when Mm -hmm. it comes down to it, they're probably more fearful than anything. And obviously we know animal communication. If a dog is barking Mm -hmm. a lot, it's because they're dealing with a lot of stress and fear. So Mm -hmm. unless you don't listen and keep poking and prodding the beast, Mm -hmm. you probably won't get bit. But also if you think about these larger dogs, I don't know about you and any of you guys out there, you probably have one, but if you have a really large dog, they don't bark. Not too much. Their communication is different than like smaller dogs. So I don't know. Interesting. Mm. But I've heard his bark is worse than his bite more than I've heard the other one. Right. And it is based on the idea that if a dog is barking, then he is not biting, which is true because you don't see a dog barking and biting at the same time. It's when they've stopped barking that that's when you need to be concerned. Yeah, just a little bit. Because <laughs> <laughs> either they've stopped barking because now they've calmed down because they're no longer feeling threatened or they have moved into the next phase of, okay, you're not listening to my warning. So <laughs> we're going to fix that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, this next phrase might answer some questions for me because as a music file, I only know this as a band mm-hmm. and that's three dog night. I never knew where they got the term from. Well, I think we're going to find out where they get their term from now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Well, we'll see. And now the songs are going through my head. Anyway, the meaning <laughs> of this three dog night phrase is to say that it is so cold that we need an extra dog for cuddle or warmth okay so maybe there's a little bit of like romanticism with the three dog night we need another <laughs> body to keep us warm <laughs> and i don't know but hey it's interesting to me <laughs> but the origin seems to be from a 1967 american rock band obviously that took their name from australian expression describing low nocturnal temperatures in the outback the colder the night the more dogs needed to keep you warm while sleeping. It also may have referred to the Northern climates where the Inuit live. Again, you need another body for warmth. Mm -hmm. So interesting. I think, you know, too, with the natural fur coats of the dogs, Mm -hmm. that also increases the warmth, not just simply the body heat. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, now this is making me want to research the band Three Dog Night more. (laughs) Well, now you got maybe got next week. So. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we'll see what happens, but that's kind of a cool thing. Now, now I kind of know where Three Dog Night got their name. So <laughs> I'm learning something new today. I hope you guys are too. <laughs> Hopefully you guys are having fun with us 
learning about these different phrases, even if you never end up using them ever again. Hopefully you're still at least having fun hearing about them. <laughs> well, I think maybe we should bring some of these idioms back. <laughs> Make the human language interesting again. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, go back to the 40s, you know, <laughs> the old cop shows or something like that. <laughs> Let's talk like gangsters. Right. As in the 1920s gangsters, not the ones that we see today. But right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm having fun. <laughs> All right. So we got a whole bunch more. So let's continue this because this is this, this is a fun show. <laughs> and we don't have too many that are like really fun. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to kind of have this every once in a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the next phrase is throw or thrown to the dogs. That kind of sounds like it might be similar to some of the other ones we talked about. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think I've heard this as well. I can't say exactly where or when I heard it, but I think I've heard it. (laughs) (laughs) But it refers to someone who has allowed another person to be criticized or attacked, usually in an attempt to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. It could also mean to discard a person who has been deemed worthless For example, they offered me no support or advice. Instead, I had to fend for myself. They just threw me to the dogs. And lastly, it can also mean a person who ruins or destroys his life. In other words, his life has gone to the dogs. Or he's threw his life to the dogs. I mean, I'm kind of thinking back to when we were talking about the Confederate soldiers throwing corn dogs to silence the dogs. Mm-hmm. and just tossing scraps i think that brought us right back to the very first one we talked about gone to the dogs just mm-hmm. went to the dogs just threw it away it's similar but it's not exactly the same it's a slightly different context and the origin may have started in the 16th century from the idea that useless or spoiled things like food should be thrown to the dogs rather than eaten by people a belief that rotten or ruined things are suited only to go to the dogs. I'm so glad we've evolved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dogs deserve better. <laughs> <laughs> this next one, if you read books, you use this all the time. Oh, yeah. All of the time. It took me years to even use an actual bookmark. And that's because <laughs> I dog-eared everything. <laughs> I think we all know what I'm talking about. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But there's other ways that that term has been used. So something is a bit worn or well used. That means you've dog-eared so many things. And often refers to an old book cover or magazines that are well thumbed through and has seen better days. Because we don't use bookmarks. You just fold the corner over. Dog-ear the corner. Mm -hmm. Get back to your place. I think the second you picked up a book, you probably dog-eared a book. Well, the origin comes from the folded pages resemblance to the floppy ears of some domestic dogs. And I think it's more the domestic dogs, not that have like the long floppy ears, like say um, a dachshund or a, or something like that, but more the ones that have shorter ears and it's just kind of more like the tip just sort of folds over a bit. Yeah. <laughs> the cute ones. Yeah. Uh, This next one, I think I've heard mostly in pop culture. I don't know if I've actually heard it 
in mainstream communication. Mm-hmm. And that's call your dogs off. And some people may have used it in relation to feeling like they're being harassed by maybe a credit card company or the government or something along those lines. I think in pop culture, it's often been connected to like the mafia, I think. So when you say for somebody to call their dogs off, you're telling that person that they should tell their friends or associates to back off or stop picking on you. Mm -hmm. It's used as a standard method of intimidation. This is the origin of it. In that hunting dogs used to be set free. I don't know if they still are, but hunting dogs used to be set free and were dismissed from their duties and returned to their kennel once they have completed their assigned tasks. So those dogs would be called off once they completed their job. Makes sense. They probably use that with fox hunts because I know they still do fox hunts. Oh yeah, in in Britain. Yeah, I, I think back in the time, they'd have set hunting dogs off after a person that they wanted to capture for some reason. Yeah. All right. Well, we're just about done with these interesting idioms. This is one that I legitimately have never heard before, but maybe it's not a North American term. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's a regional thing. And that is clean as a hound's tooth. Sounds very Southern to me. <laughs> we'll see. That means it's something that is spotlessly clean. A person who is of high repute and honesty. The origin of this alludes to the whiteness, if not the perceived cleanliness of a hound's tooth or teeth, especially the canine teeth, which when the dog is given plenty of bones to eat, appear very clean and very white. It sounds very Southern to me. Mm. I don't know. So some of you guys in the South, let us know if this is something that you've heard in the South. I'm really not sure, (laughs) but you could be right. (laughs) Our last idiom phrase that we're going to talk about is a dog in the manger. Never heard that one either. Me either. (laughs) It means that a person who prevents or hinders others from having something that may benefit them, even though they do not want or need it. Mm. Seems like kind of a convoluted phrase for that meaning, but. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't really make sense too much, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's something where like you have somebody who seems jealous of something and tries to talk you out of doing something because even though they don't want it, they don't want you to have it because then they see you being happy. Kind of maybe a misery loves company thing. Yeah. It could be something like that, or it could be more materialistic where, I don't know, perhaps there's like a a home or something or land that two people are sort of looking at. One person could really benefit from it. The other person maybe already has a decent home and really doesn't need it. And then they find out that the other person is wanting to go for it. They might do everything they can to try to prevent that other person from being able to get it just to say that they got it. Or if it's better than what they have, they can talk you out of getting it because they don't want you to have something better than they are. Yeah, that could be that too. I don't know. Interesting. (laughs) So where does this come from? So this is an expression that is taken straight from Aesop's fable, the dog in the manger. Okay. Circa 600 BC. So long time ago. (laughs) That's probably why we don't use it anymore. (laughs) So the 
way it was used in that fable was there was a dog lying in a manger full of hay. An ox, being hungry, came near and was going to eat the hay. The dog, getting up and snarling at him, would not let him touch it. Surly creature, said the ox, you cannot eat the hay yourself, and yet you will let no one else have any. Mm. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, there was a lot of idioms. (laughs) (laughs) That have stemmed from dogs. I mean, that's just proof positive that we've been living with dogs for so long. I mean, Aesop's fable, 600 BC. So, I mean, we've living with dogs a really long time. So it would make sense that we would have so many idioms based around the canine. Yeah. And that's not even all of them. That's probably maybe a quarter or a third of (laughs) what there's Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, we do love our dogs, don't we? Oh my goodness, will you look at that? We were having so much fun that we totally lost track of time and we want to honor you, our listeners. So we're going to continue this conversation next week and have some more fun with our beloved canine friends. Hope you come back and join us. In the meantime, if you have any questions, you can email us at theanimalfilespodcast at gmail.com. You can also share with us all of the phrases and terms that you use, and we can add it to a future episode. You can also reach out to us by going to our website, theanimalfilespodcast.com. You can get all of the links to all of our socials, a resources page, a bunch of ways where you can support us, and you can even listen to the podcast straight from the website. Thanks again for joining us. Hope you had a great time, and we'll see you back here next time on the Animal Files podcast. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.